Today's Sober Friends podcast is brought to you by Sally. Sally brought us three coffees, one for you, one for me, one for Steve. Sally went to buymeacoffee.com backslash sober friends, and she bought us three coffees. Here's what she said. I love this podcast. Grateful for your time, your topics, and teamwork to make this happen. Well, thank you, Sally. You made me happy. I'm mixing my words together. Now, if you're like Sally and you think it's important to spread the word to the newcomer that recovery is possible, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com backslash Sober Friends. I'm Matt. Hey, I'm Steve. Hey, I'm John. This is the Sober Friends Podcast. We're here for the sober curious, the new guy, and the old timer. Here to talk about the stuff anyone looking to live alcohol-free has to face day to day, and how we overcame those struggles. We speak for no 12-step group, but we do try to remain anonymous. You're not alone. This is the Sober Friends Podcast. So here's some words that sound like our topic. Smugness. Self-satisfaction, self-approval, gloating, pride, carelessness. So our topic tonight is complacency. A whole bunch of words that are similar that can cause us a whole lot of crap. Boys, welcome to the show. What's going on? Good evening. Hey, Matt. How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm trying to think. When you when you sent me that topic of complacency, I started to think, man, I have to do a little inventory here. I'm being complacent. Yeah. I'm always afraid of that. Complacency yeah. is bad news for people in recovery, and it can sneak up on you before you know it. If you go to the thesaurus, tisserus, <laughs> and you look up the synonyms for complacency, it sounds like the a reading out of the... Um, Step book with the with the seven deadly sins: complacency, conceit, con, uh, ego, egotism, pride, pridefulness, self admiration, self assumption, self conceit. A lot of self in there. Self, oh, yeah. Smug, yeah. Smugness, swelled head, yeah. vainglory. Oh, and the antonyms. Hmm, these are good ones. Humbleness, humility, modesty. There's only three. <laughs> There's probably 15, 20 antonyms for complacency. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very dangerous uh, thing for those of us in recovery of any type, really. Um, you know, our, our specialty is alcohol. But um, I think no matter what you're struggling with, complacency is it. Um, yeah, smugness is what I got because, you know, I mean, I looked at that and I went, oh, yeah, smugness. That sounds like me. Um, you know, that's, and then I, then I looked up smug and it's like having or showing the excessive pride in oneself. So one achievements. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, that can be me. I could, that, yeah, especially in the past, that could be me very easily. I will tell you that some of the things that help me with complacency is trying to be open-minded, trying to go to meetings when I can go to more meetings. If I can reach out to people be open, talk to people when I don't want to. Yeah. I was not in the mood on Monday. Went to a meeting. I just was, I was totally zoned out. My mind was in 12 different places and I just couldn't be focused. But I went. I, 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 was, I was very verbal with the fact that I didn't want to go and yet there was no way I wasn't going to. I knew at that point, these, these times where I'm not feeling like going, I got to go. But I have responsibility anyways. I had to go. Yeah, gave you a job when you walked in the door, so it was nice. Well, two jobs. I got to collect the money, and I had to run the show. <laughs> right, right. You had to run. Make sure you had that to the run broadcast the was, was going. 
But uh, yeah, we all get those those points, and that's why I think it's a good topic to bring up and discuss once in a while. Um, we all get to that point where everything seems to be okay, right? That's what when I think about complacency, it's like my understanding of things going on is like, ah, everything's good. So I could take a free ride here for a while. I could, I could bust off. I could, I could relax. I could skip the meeting. I could, I could skip a meeting because I don't feel like going, which is one of my things that I say I never do. I almost never skip a meeting because just because I don't feel like going, because I know that is a bad sign for me. I have to be careful with those things. So one of the things that I do to keep me from, and well, here's the other thing I was thinking about is that, you know, I'm no longer, I'm not working with anybody right now, right? And that's the other thing that happens when, when you're actively working with another alcoholic, it's hard to be complacent because you're, you're on the ball. You got work to do, right? You gotta, you gotta show them the way. You gotta bring them through the steps. You gotta, you gotta be on it. You're usually meeting with them. So it's hard to, I, I think complacency happens when, you know, there's less of that going on or when you, you know, when, when a when a service commitment ends, right? Like, oh, I've been doing this, you know, for so many years or so many months or whatever it might be, and then it ends, and all of a sudden you you want a deserved break, but you have to be careful that that break doesn't turn into something that's more than just a break. What are your thoughts on this one, John? Uh, complacency, you know, not so much for meetings. Where I where I run into it is my connection with the God of my understanding. You know, I can I can be very complacent there too. There are times where I'm spot on, right on the beam, you know, doing the morning prayer and and meditation in the morning and again at nighttime and really getting that really good strong connection with with God. And then there's times where I decide to take my will back and I just don't have those precious two three minutes it takes just to stay connected. You know, because like Steve said, everything's okay. It's all right. I don't have to do this today. You know, it, it's, it's, everything's okay. You know, you know, over the, over the years, you know, that's, that's what they, they you know, that that's what people, people, you know, talk about in the meetings is when you start getting to that point where everything's all right. Do I need to go to four meetings a week anymore? Do I need to go, you know, do I need to call my sponsor every day? You know, all those things, you know, um, you know, it all depends on what your motives are and and um, where you are in your recovery is how much time that you need to spend in it. And that's where a good sponsor comes in because they can, they're like a, they're, they're a guidepost or a gauge and can tell you when you're on the beam and when you're not on the beam. And it's like, well, you may want to pick up on a couple more meetings a week or one every two weeks, just isn't cut that maybe you ought to consider going once or twice a week, every week, you know, things, things like that. It's, it's easy to rest on your laurels and not put as much effort into it once everything is settled and you're and you're okay and and your ass isn't on fire. It's really easy to do that, but you just you know ninety percent they say like ninety ninety percent of it's just showing up. Oh yeah. Or or the best meeting the the best meeting that you ever that you could have ever gone to is the one that you decided to stay home or the meeting Mm -hmm. that was going to save your life is the one that you decided to stay home. And it's amazing. Those ones where, ah, man, I really don't want to go. And a little voice in the back of your head says, yeah, but you should anyways. And when you really don't want to go, that's probably when you should go. And lo and behold, those are usually the meetings that are the best ones. You know, somebody comes up with a topic or they 
or they share, a, you know, they share something about themselves and or they're bleeding or how hop their heart out. And, you know, it just it, it gets your attention and it goes, wow, you know, you get done with meetings. Well, I'm really glad that I showed up tonight. Otherwise, I'd have missed this magic. I'll tell you, I felt that way about our Monday night meeting recently because there have been so many new people that are coming in and out. We had a little bit of lack of a crowd for a long period of time. And now there just seems to be one side of the room that's all new. It's different people, but it's a pretty consistent amount every single week. And the thing that keeps me from being complacent is if I know I'm going to a place like that, it keeps me on high alert. It allows me to be my best person because I know new people are going to be around. And it's really helpful to see those new people get the monthly chips. Somebody Mm. got a 24-hour chip. There were a whole bunch of people who got monthly chips this week. That's not the norm. And those are my favorite meetings. They help me. But it does put me in a position to be on point because I want to be a good example for people. It's funny. If you want to go back to episode four, all the way at the beginning of this show, and listen to the interview with Mr. B, John B. Hmm. John B. just ended his fifth year of his two-year commitment as the alkaline (laughs) chair, and he stepped down, as he should. But he was almost devastated by doing that. Feels like he's failing. Like, what am I going to do now? And it's a reminder, I'm going to reach out to him again, but find something else. There's other things you can do. I found something for Mr. B. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I get... um... I was in a Navy band many, many, many years ago. Um, so I I, um, I get their Facebook posts and I get their uh, Instagram things. And they had had a uh, a post on they were auditioning for oboe players. So I did a screenshot of it and I sent it over to Mr. B. I said, hey, you looking for some work? The U.S. <laughs> Navy's looking for an oboe player because Mr. B was he was a he was a musician. He is a musician, you know. Plays the oboe, was taught for many, many years in the school system, and still plays, you know, professionally in one of the local orchestras. But uh, yeah, but it's that'll give him something to do. He makes his own reeds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I called yeah. him one time. He's like, "Oh, I'm making reeds. I'm like, you make those yourself? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you want to learn a little bit about Mister B, he is a fascinating character in our little circle. It's episode four. He's the teacher, and he is. Damn lucky he didn't lose his teaching job. That was a difficult story to hear. It's one of those things that you will love. I think that is one of the things that keeps me from being complacent at times is when I reach out, right. when I see somebody struggling, it's a, it's a good punch in the face. I'll tell you another thing. Our Monday night meeting, I'm glad Steve brought this up. Man, these freaking people don't want to share. There's like a handful of us who share every single freaking meeting, and these people are tight as a clam. And it motivates me to share because there's a lot of times that I just don't want to talk tonight. I don't need to talk, but I hear that silence. I'm like, all right, I'm going to add something because nobody else is. If I have to add something, I'm taking a risk that I could be making an ass out of myself and getting it wrong. When I chair meetings and nobody's raising a hand, I do do one of two things. One, I, I either pick on people. And you and you look for the people that are diverting their eyes or turning their head because they don't want to be they don't like eye contact they don't want to call on you, or I just simply say, I'm good with a meditation meeting tonight. We can just sit here and quiet for the next hour. Doesn't bother me a bit, and just sit there. And if sooner or later somebody will raise their hand because most people can't 
take the quiet. A couple of things you said, John, earlier when you were sharing. One is you said picking up the phone and calling your sponsor. And I would say picking up the phone and calling anybody, right? That's the other right. thing that helps me yep. not be complacent is picking up the phone. and it, Listen, it's what we do, right? Next Monday night, um, we'll be doing step 12, right? Reaching out to other and bringing this, you know, bringing this program to other alcoholics who need it. So one of the things that I do know that if I'm, if I'm reaching out to other alcoholics, then I have less of a chance to become complacent. Um, and like you said, and the other thing is, is to, oh, and the other thing you're talking about is, you know, going to meetings, like usually you're not you know, complacent going to meetings. And usually I'm not either. It's not one of the things I take, like, typically in. But there was a person at our Monday night meeting, first time. He's actually been to our Friday night meeting, so I knew who he was. Um, but he, he hasn't been around a lot. He's, he's a new guy to, to me. And he said that he felt like he, his program needed a kick. And he's like, I'm looking for somebody to work with. And he goes, I can't find somebody to work with if I don't go to meetings. You know, and he's like, and I can't find somebody to work with if I don't go to new meetings that I'm not used to. Right. Cause like, right. Cause he knows like everybody in the, in his meetings, like, okay, he knows those people. And then if a new guy comes in, then, you know, you're one of many people. But so his point was he's actively, and he's not out there like grabbing, but he's like letting people know, like I'm here, I'm looking for, I'm looking to be helpful to somebody. And that's one of the reasons why I showed up because I felt like I needed to go to a different meeting. You know, mm -hmm. those are the types of things you do when you feel like your program is a bit, you're a bit complacent or your program doesn't have the spark that you think it should. That was an outstanding share that that guy had. It was yeah. a longer one yeah. and he was apologizing at the end. I'm like, no, keep going. He, this he, is good. Yeah. Yeah, he he had, he does he's, he has very good sobriety. Um, he came from a very tough place. He talked about it. He shared one time at a Friday night. Again, a very long share, to, and and he does tell. He even said it's not a speaker meeting, so I'll stop. He said it Monday <laughs> night. It was good. Um, but he, and Friday night he told more of his story, and then you, and when you really hear it, like this guy came from like he was. He was a tough guy, and uh, he's he's come a far way, a uh, long way. I mean, and um, and uh, yeah, so he's got good surprise. I liked him. I was happy to see him when he walked in. I'm like, oh, good. I, like yeah, I hope guy. he comes. I hope he comes next week. Me too. It was too. it was it was really good stuff. So, what are the traps? What can get you into complacent? When you have felt complacent, what has been that trigger? Well, well, for me, it's um, mostly you know one one of the things that I heard and and. John said it, and I've said it before, and it's one of the things we got to be careful of. Meetings are so important because years ago, when I first came back, I, I took a speaker commitment, and I went and talked to the guy, and I told my story. And my story is one that's typical, but I stopped going to meetings, and I ended up relapsing, right? That's it in the capsule. I stopped going to meetings, and I ended up relapsing. So, you know, one of the th things is you stop going to meetings. But here's what this guy told me at the end of after that meeting, after I spoke, an, an older, it was a very small place, maybe a dozen people in, in a suburb, uh, other side of the river in the west side, one of the affluent suburbs out there. And he said, you know, Steve, he said, what I noticed is that when I stopped going to meetings, my thinking changes and I don't notice. Mm -hmm. And that scares me. And, and, and actually, when he told me that, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what happens, right? Your thinking changes. So what happens is when you start moving away from the program, so whatever you're used to doing, whether it's praying, whether it's going to meetings, whether it's taking commitments, right, doing service work, any of those, when you stop doing those things, 
your thinking changes a little bit. And that's why what you taught, said about Mr. B, like Mr. B knows that. Like, okay, I've been doing this for five years. What am I going to do now to keep me engaged? Like, that's what he's saying there. That, that's what that statement means. How do I not become complacent because I've been tied into this group for five years doing this service work, and now what do I do now? And because there Got is... DCM. <laughs> Well, there is an issue. There, there is a, there oh, is a, boy. there is a possibility that that could happen. Like you said, you could sit back, like, hey, I've done this. I'm going to take a break, and you know something, I'm going to take a break, and I'm not going to go to meetings, and I'm not going to do this. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, three, four months go by, and you're crazy. You know, that's what happens to me. You can look at Glenn, who you know. He's been doing service work forever. Glenn, Glenn, what, episode number three or something like that? Let me look. Um, I think it was right. I think he's episode number five, but if you give me a second, yeah, so, I'll I mean, tell Glenn, you what it is. But that's a good one. Yeah, he's episode number five. Yeah, Glenn tried good. to get him. I didn't need a mic. He just screamed out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Glenn's had every position in District 2, um, mainly because he just can't help from keeping his hand down when he when when you know he'll he'll end up at one service commitment he'll come to an end and then there's an open and open commitment more open position that's been open forever and he just volunteers i think he's held every position in there um dave b he's uh, again another guy that just kept on doing service work service work service work what am i going to do next do a different job um, there's all kinds of stuff to do. Like Tony says, oh, the fun people do service work. <laughs> I heard you that know. Thursday, right. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, for, for, I get into these, 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 um, I've been going to meetings continuously for, for many years. Uh, but I find that when I'm not going, my, my sweet spot's about three meetings a week. Um, and they have to be different meetings in different areas because if i don't do that then i isolate i i I have a tendency of just being by myself not picking up the phone and you know that's why i was so happy when covid was more or less over and the meetings got open because i can hide behind a screen real easy um so i need to get out and and get people you know, and talk and talk to other people. You know, get there early, talk with some talk with some people. You know, instead of when the meeting's over, running right out, kind of take your time. There's always somebody there that wants to chat for a little bit. You know, and it it that's one of my biggest pitfalls is just you know I got to get to this meeting. I get in there and then turn around and walk right out. I'm 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 uh, my my I'm still still from long COVID here. <laughs> I'm denying somebody the opportunity to also become connected and to be reaching out and talking to somebody else. Maybe that person that's there needed to say something. Maybe he or she was feeling kind of disconnected. And just that friendly conversation before or after, um, you know, those precious two, three, five, ten minutes. It could change somebody's life and say, well, you know what? This AA stuff isn't that bad after all. And they'll come back again. I spoke. I, it seems like the last two weeks that's, you know, I've had two speaking commitments. One was at uh, a treatment center, a Rushford treatment center. Um, Why didn't guy... you share this? I would have come and saw you speak. Would have helped uh, me. Are you keeping secrets? Yeah, I'm keeping secrets. Rushford, it's limited. 
it's limited access, so you have to kind of we can't bring a whole crew in. No. Right. So it's kind of kind of tough there. Well, that's always fun. So those guys are thirty days or less, and um, so I you know I and I had to tell my story to a bunch of guys that are either there willingly or not. So I I tend not to do drunkalogs, but for whatever reason I felt compelled to qualify with these guys and you know kind of kind of tell this my story of what i did and how how you know what it was like for me and how bad I, it was and by that i had a guy come up afterwards and he was from the canton area and he wanted my number he said he's getting out soon uh, that was two weeks ago my phone hasn't rang which is typically the case and then i spoke again this past monday night grasshopper was chairing the uh the meeting so it was his first time, so I went up there and, and, and did the same thing. If I don't do those things, when somebody asks me to do a, a speaking commitment, there's a retreat coming up this weekend. And as soon as the the, the schedule the, the the list came out, you know, I'm getting I'm getting questioned by from all kinds of other people, you know, great you know, great gramps and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> you know, other guys, hey you going up, hey you going up. You know, they generally want to see me up there. But I, I need those people to say, hey, you're going up on the retreat this weekend? Oh, come on. You got to go. You got to go. Because, again, it's like going to me. Oh, what the hell do I want to go all the way up to Vermont, you know, drive all the way up there for an hour and a half, you know, spend, a, you know, four or five hours sitting around bullshitting with the guys and then, you know, going through the steps. And then, then the next day you go, you know, one, two, three, and then. Day, day two is four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve on Sunday. And those and I get so much joy and so much laughter out of out of these, you know, just hanging out with the guys and busting balls for the weekend. You know, why wouldn't I want to go? You know, because I get so much out of it, but yet, you know, my instinct says, nah, I don't want to go. Well, well, your, instincts, your instinct says you don't want to go because you've you've gone to that so many times, right? Yeah. And there is a yeah. little complacency in there. Oh, um, yeah. But but you're right. I mean, listen, it's always one of those things. On the nights when I don't want to go to a meeting, and I do, I tend to feel like I like that meeting better, more than usual, right? Like, yeah, I get more satisfaction out of being there. And I think it can be the same way, like on a retreat or something like that. And, and, and I agree with what you said. If somebody asked me to do something, first of all, I need a good reason to say no. I just believe that, like, that's like, like, you know, if somebody says, Hey, can you do this? Or will, or will you do this? I, I just can't, for the most part, say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. Like, that's not how I was taught AA, right? Now, if there's a conflict, if I can't do something, then I won't. And perfect example is that our retreat. Our retreat is supposed to happen on uh, Columbus Day weekend. Um, and I couldn't go because I'm going to be at a wedding in New Jersey. Well, it turns out that we're going to move it to a different place up in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to be happening on the weekend of the, like the 20th of October. And now I can go. And there was a thought, well, well maybe I won't go. But I'm like, no, no, I want to go to this thing, right? I want to go to this thing. And it's a new place. And we'll figure out how all that works when we get up there. But, you know, you go on to that, that, you know, the retreat that you go to happens four times a year, right? So you guys have been going to that retreat for years and years. And so you can't, it can become a point where, okay, I've done that. I've been there. I've done that. I don't need to continue to do that. But 
I will tell you that those are the ones, like I said, that typically you come back feeling really, really good about. You know, you ought to come up again. Why not? I get afraid of the the bill. It's not as taxing as it once was. And a lot of it is I, I this is my complacency issue is inertia that I don't want to break the habit, give up my weekend. I once I you get used to doing the things I'm doing, I tend to do them. So if I have a meeting that I'm going every week, I'll just go because of inertia. Right. But if I haven't been going then I won't go to that new one or a different day. It's very hard for me to break out of those patterns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am doing some service work outside of AA for a charitable organization. Part of it is it's good career-wise, and there is somebody as part of this group that I'm working with who's taken an interest on me. And there is a dinner that I was invited to go to that I do not want to go mm-hmm. and I'm not required to go, but the guy said, you should go and I'll introduce you to a whole bunch of people. I don't like that stuff. I don't like to meet new people. I'm socially awkward. When there's people around who I don't know, I look at those people and say, you must all hate me. It is a mental nightmare for me to deal with new people. It's out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to go because I think it would be a good thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, a lot of my issues sometimes at meetings is, especially after a meeting, one, I'm dead tired at the end of an evening meeting. And two, people are standing around and I don't know what to do with people. I right. see people looking around and I, I literally get, <laughs> I get flummoxed with how to talk to them. <laughs> you, you, you do sort of cut out once, once so like, it's pretty obvious that like, that's not your, that's not your place. And I will say it's one, again, you know, off topic a little bit here, but it's nice to see like, you know, on that Monday night meeting, I close up the building and I, I, I like the fact that I have to force people out of the building nowadays, yeah. right? Like, like there's eight or 10 people hanging around talking and I'm looking at it and I'm like, and I, I take my time, pack up my stuff and give them all a chance to talk. Um, and I'm like, I like it. I like it after coming off of COVID where we didn't do that. And, or even when we had meetings, everybody split because we didn't want to spend that time. Like it's nice to, to see some of that stuff getting back to normal. It yep. really is really, really is nice. So, yeah. And the numbers are starting to pick up again. Yeah. Which is yeah, a good absolutely. thing. I mean, it's, it's, a, we're not at skeleton meetings anymore. We're no. starting to, they're starting to fill up. They're starting to, you know, and all those people that, you know, quite honestly, that, um, you know, that were struggling during COVID and probably either found their bottom or relapsed or, or got complacent. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're there and they're coming back. But I, you know, you guys t- said about, you know, newcomers coming in and, I, and I'm, and I'm seeing it myself. A lot of new people, you know, less than a year. And, um, yeah, that's good. It's good, you know. Yeah, we, we've been getting, uh, last couple of weeks, we've been getting almost 30 people, especially between, and we've been getting a solid Zoom crew that's five or six people, and we've been getting 20 to 25 people in-house. That's good. You know? Yeah. So, like, there was a time when I had 29 people, I think, not this past week, the week before. It's like 29 people. That's a good-sized meeting for this, this area right now. So Yeah. Um, and I, and well, I that do meeting think, always did well. Yeah, it always did. Well, not always yeah, for because a while, uh, COVID. Right. Oh, co- yeah, COVID. Now, but pre-COVID, it always did well. well I mean, there was, there was, time there was times I, where we struggled. But yeah, you know. when I first went there, there was a time where we got down to twelve to fifteen, um, and it didn't last long. But um, yeah, and but there was also times where that meeting would draw forty people. That meeting was a pre-COVID was a good strong meeting. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And like I said, it's, it start. Yeah, it was it was part of that because um, you added one more person to it. That's why. That's right. That's right. All <laughs> but, my wisdom. You know, you know, I was thinking about a guy who I liked a lot, who has a lots of sobriety, lot many years, and, and good sobriety. Uh, not not just years. He has good sobrieties. Who I have not seen since prior prior to COVID. As far as I know, I'm not even sure he's doing any. And, and I he's he's on my list to call. I'll have to give him a call tomorrow because it's like I I look at some of those people and I'm like, you know, where where did they go? You know, and that's what we're talking about complacency and. And, and I'm assuming he's okay. I still see he's on Facebook, so he's part of one of the guys I've seen. I'm sure he's fine alcohol-wise and all that. But um, but it is one of the things that I miss because this guy, when I first came back, was one of the guys I looked up to. You know, I guess maybe, you know, being that I'm sort of newer to the program, uh, maybe that is my role now. You know, you talked about you talk about a lot, Matt. Maybe that's our role now is to go in there and, and be the people that somebody might be able to look up to and go, hey, I like going to that mo- meeting because I like when I hear Matt and Steve and John share, you know. Because um, I know, like, if we're at meetings, the three of us, you're probably going to hear us share because that's what we do, you know. And I always used to like to hear this guy share and 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 how um and and how I related to his share. So it's important that then it's, I guess that's one of the reasons why it's important for me not to get complacent because you know that's what John said earlier too was that he doesn't know if if I'm going to say something or he's going to say something and that somebody might need to hear that right. We always talk about hey. I may, you know, I don't know what meeting is going to have what I need to hear that day or that week. Right. Well, it's the same way around. Like, I don't know what meeting that I might offer something to somebody else. And by staying home, it really is a selfish act. I got a text on Tuesday morning from somebody that said, good morning. I'm glad you went to the meeting last night. I didn't want to go either. And I'm glad I did. I would have missed a good meeting. Have a good day. Yep. That, it was short, but, you know, I... I've, it's, sometimes it's good to verbalize where you are. You never know who in that room needed to hear that might have been in the same position and didn't want to vocalize that. Right. And you get a you get a text the next morning not expecting that you made an impact. Well, again, it shows that the people are like, hey, I didn't feel like going. I showed up. Matt didn't feel like going. He showed up. John shared. I didn't feel like going either. He showed up. You know, so a lot of people, me, my biggest problem with Monday night was it felt like a Sunday all day. I had a set in alarm. I had a set an alarm like at six o'clock. So my alarm would go off and go, oh, yeah, you have to go to a meeting tonight um, because it just felt like Sunday. As much as my trash is picked up on Mondays because it was, you know, Labor Day, they didn't pick up trash. So I'm putting out my trash barrels on Monday night. Everything felt like a Sunday to me. And I'm like, I am just going to forget. I am going to forget about going to this meeting if I don't hmm. if I don't put an alarm on. So um, I have to my- work X amount of holidays per year. And this was one of the holidays I had to work. And I don't typically work on a Monday. So this week has been totally thrown for me. And I think it's one of yeah. the reasons I was so spacey. Because I I just gotten off of work and I don't typically work on a Monday. Right. But it was it was good with that. I, I went and did a workout with my son yesterday. Didn't want to do it. I told him I am way too tired for this. And then we did this leg workout that I'm still sore over. Mm. But I take it there too. There's things I got to do in my life to not get complacent. I try that at work. That if I'm feeling complacent, pick up a new task. Pick up a pick up a, a new project or something. There's a lot of things you can take from recovery into other parts of your life to keep that from being complacent. I had that conversation with an employee today. He's, he broke down 
and said, I've been kind of in a lousy place and I picked up exercising, just getting on my treadmill. I got a haircut. I started combing my beard. Little things, but I'm like, you know, these little things, if you take an action, make you feel better. And these are things I've learned in 12-step groups. Absolutely. Well, now it's time for you to share with us. I'd love to hear about how you deal with complacency. Do you realize that you're in complacency? And is it too late when you do realize it? How do you fight against complacency? We would love to hear your story so we can talk about it here on the podcast. Matt, it's SoberFriendsPod.com. On Instagram, at SoberFriendsPod. You can find all those links and so much more at our website, SoberFriendsPod.com. John, Steve, thanks for coming on the program tonight and sharing a little bit. Hey, glad to be here, Matt. Always uh, always a good time to sit around and talk with you guys. And uh, hey, just uh, put some words out there that maybe might help somebody. We do this to help you. This is part of me not being complacent that if I know I got to be somewhere on taping night, I got to be there and I got to be prepared to do this stuff. So if you found this helpful and you know somebody else who this show would be helpful for, share it with them. Until then, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. You made it this far into the podcast. That tells me... You're a pretty big fan. If you like what we do and you find value in the podcast, consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash soberfriendspod. Your donation keeps us on the air to help out the new guy and helps us defray some of our costs. If you find value in our podcast, please consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash soberfriendspod.